the Carolina Outdoors in session right now, wherever you're listening is occurring, whether it be via the airwaves of WBT Radio as we blast up and down the eastern seaboard, or maybe you're joining us via podcast, however you're listening, we are glad that you are listening. Uh, There's something that started back in the early 1990s here in North Carolina, and regular listeners to the program um, we'll know what we're talking about. Hi, everyone. Your host here, Bill Barty. And it is the Delayed Harvest Program put on by the NC Wildlife Resource Commission. And what it is, 34 streams now uh, in 2023 are participating, uh, lakes and streams, in the program. But what is the program It's a delay of the harvest. That means on those particular streams, October 1 through the first Saturday in June, you cannot keep the fish. You must catch and release them. But it's been a great great, uh, proponent for recreation in North Carolina. Is that my big word, TJ? But we're going to delve all the way in because we've got our friend, Coldwater Research Coordinator for NC Wildlife Resource Commission, Jake Rash, who's going to jump on the program and kind of help us break down in regular words delayed harvest, what it means for us anglers in October, and what the weather plays in this program and the quality of fishing for us heading out. So with no more delay, let's bring him on. Jake Rash, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Jake, it's great to have you on here every time. No matter what we're talking about, it's awesome to, to have you on here. We might even delve while you are on. We may delve into a little bit of, of questions about the brook trout um, as well, because I know you're very active in that. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about etiquette as well um, in regards to the designations on the different streams. But without any more delay in regards to what many of our listeners want to hear about is the fishing. So, Jake, with the delayed harvest waters on, we'll talk about some of them. But are all the fish in the water at this point? Has has the first stockings of October been completed uh, by the by the different folks, uh, nonprofits, volunteers, and paid people that help put the fish in the delayed harvest waters? Yeah, it's uh it's a great time to 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 be fishing for sure and those those delayed harvest waters that that you're you're talking about um do have the fish swimming in them. Those those stockings really ramp up that first week in October and carry on here into the second and and by now just about everything if not all of them I believe have already been have been stocked. So it's a it's a great time to to get out and explore some of those waters if you if anglers haven't been able to do so yet and uh, see what the program's all about. Of course, the program started before you or I were even born, Jake, in the early 1990s. But many of our listeners need maybe an education in that. Why did the state begin the delayed harvest program, and how did the streams that they choose and pick and, and uh, get to participate, how were those streams chosen? Yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. 1992 was the first uh, first go around of the program, and there were actually four waters at that time that uh, that were were brought in, and it was really a way, and continues to be a way, to provide 
multiple opportunities on the same stretch of water and mm-hmm. and and that's that's sort of baked into the name itself delayed harvest and so there's a chance in the in the months you know october november march april may where it's catch and release fishing only so lots of fish in the water uh and there's no no harvest allowed but come that first saturday in june those waters open up to regulations where you are able to actually harvest those fish. So, so in a way, it's uh, an opportunity to provide both that catch and release resource and the harvest opportunity on the same on the same piece of water. And it's been definitely one of the more popular programs and efforts that that we have enacted. And, and as you noted, it's spread to over over 30 waters in the in the western western part of North Carolina. And of course the fish that you mentioned I, I, in the introduction we talked about cold water. Jake, these fish are all trout. It's, it's brook, rainbow and brown trout, I think, that are getting put into these uh, 30 plus different streams. Yep, that that's that's right. And in and where these waters are and the habitats that that um, make them up um, play a big part in the program, and that, and that, as you mentioned, with 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 temperature, um, that that is a case where you know we can have fish in these waters when they're cool enough to really support trout, like you said, brook mm-hmm. brown and and rainbow, or are getting stocked in these waters. And as those waters warm, and and in most of these delayed harvest, it's a situation where. You know, those the trout are just going to be able to be there seasonally. They won't be there year round. Couldn't the waters won't support them year round? So, um, so why not open up the the harvest uh, opportunities in those waters and and folks that are interested in and in taking um, taking a few fish home whenever those waters begin to warm and we get in that first Saturday of June. Um, it gives it gives them that that opportunity to do so. So these fish are going in. They're raised in the three different hatcheries that help support the different waters, uh, not only delayed harvest but also the hatchery supported waters, as well. Um, we can't help but talk about weather a little bit. And Jake, as a contributor to the Carolina Outdoors, thank you for your time and your knowledge on this program. But we've covered it all with you. Um, from summer storms that have wiped out different streams and even different hatcheries to an extent to what we're talking about today, which is low water. Many of the streams that are freestone streams, especially that uh, have not had rain. And, and of course, we're emanating from Charlotte right now. We haven't had a lot of rain down here either. How does that impact uh, the stockings, the fish and those streams that are getting the fish? Yeah, that's a that's an excellent question, and the you're, you're absolutely right. We're we're looking at situations with with low water. Um, the the bright spot is we're actually getting cooler days and cooler nights. Mm-hmm. So the the absolute um, the worst scenario is situations where you've got low water and high temperatures, and so then then we really have to start talking about how we. You know, may change things around uh, when we stock, if we stock those those sorts of things. But with the with the with the temperatures really cooling off and the waters cooling off, um, that's that's you know been able to allow the program to continue. Um, you know, as as we have have it planned, and 
and we we actually post um, the stocking dates for for uh, streams uh, in in advance on our on our. You can find those on our trout page, ncwildlife.org/trout, and within that, folks can see when these stockings are going to occur and and should we need to make changes, whether it's for weather or uh, sometimes equipment breaks down and we aren't able to make the runs like we've got planned. We'll we'll post that information on our on our social media website as well, trying to get information out to folks if they have in fact made a plan. So, you know, conditions aren't ideal, but but we're fortunate enough that that we're able to still continue on with with uh, with stockings as as planned at this current time. I have a list of uh, those stockings, of course. Uh, we'll post it with your interview, too. Jake Rash is joining us, Coldwater Research Coordinator for NC Wildlife Resource Commission, joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors. I'm your host, Bill Barty, and uh, Jake, as I look at this, the stockings in the fall, uh, it's, it's really well listed here. October, they are all uh, currently... Uh, stocked all the delayed harvest streams and then there's a secondary stocking happening in November either starting on some streams like Helton Creek is November 1st currently scheduled all the way through a stream like Fires Creek up in Clay County which is November 13th or or Nanahala gets some fish on the 14th and for our listeners out there these are thousands of fish that go into these different waters it is a great promotion for the sport of recreational fishing which uh, over the past 10 years we've talked about it on this program has uh, enjoyed a great increase uh, in participants and of course fly fishing we like to talk about specifically because of the advocacy that comes out of jesse brown's outdoors that helps power this program and the equipment that is sold in regards to fly fishing uh, to that program. But it's a, it's a great way to uh, buy a license to go fishing and then enjoy the sports on some of the most beautiful water in the state. Jake, one of the things that the different surveys and several different organizations have put out there is with the increase of participants and the pandemic cannot be ignored, it helped push a lot of people into our Carolina outdoors, including the sport of fly fishing. But one of the things that uh, the warnings or one of the negatives of that that's been talked about is uh, the imprint on the resources and um, and and having you know when you have a great number of people who are going to a similar resource, uh, it can stress them to whatever degree, uh, whatever that may be and in this case the delayed harvest waters kind of speak to that because they open up more fishable trout water to your point earlier to more people and make it a bit more accessible to get out there and maybe try a sport like fly fishing but with that being said jake i gotta have to ask you this because we play by the rules here on the carolina outdoors what is the designation how do we know what is delayed harvest we may have been on the the trout page but if we're in the woods or streamside, how can we tell where we are? Yeah, the one of the one of my favorite sayings uh, for folks um, is to kind of to know before you go. Mm. And so, uh, part of part of a good trip is doing as much homework you, as you can before you actually get to the water. And that's you know looking whether it's looking at the trout page and see wildlife.org slash trout looking at the regulations digest, looking at maps that are available, 
to get a sense of where those regulatory boundaries might be um, if you're if you're kind of new and learning the sport to make sure you really understand the rules and regulations what um, you know what what those what those actually are and and so that way when you get to the water you've done your homework and and you can get ready to have a good day and so when you're out there um, you're you know, you'll have that sense of where the boundaries are and what the regulations might be. And then you can start looking for our signs. Mm-hmm. Um, our delayed harvest signs are are white and black, and they'll be posted, and, and you'll see those. And, and there's descriptions of them and, and all of our other regulatory signs uh, on the trout page and even images of those as well. So I always tell folks to to plan in advance as, as much as you can and that way you you've done most of the work when you get there because like you said there's a lot of people um out there out there fishing and we actually just did a a survey and in uh, 2022 there was almost uh, 370,000 anglers that fish for trout in North Carolina which is a lot of folks and and uh, a lot of a lot of people enjoying the resources well, and that's North Carolinians, but it's also a lot of people coming from other states as well, even other countries, to enjoy what we have here in North Carolina. And that's why we like to talk about it here on the Carolina Outdoors. And, Jake, not to put you on the spot, but um, if we're down here, let's just say the Charlotte area, and we'll talk about this in regards to an annual license, a one-year license, uh, we need something different than if we're just fishing a county park maybe in mecklenburg county we need a different license if we're going to be trout fishing am i correct well you you actually you just need a a general um you know inland fishing license and in an effort to to make things easier for anglers several years ago uh, we used to require a a separate trout license Mm. but um but again to make it make it easier on folks um we we did away with that trout license so you're you're actually able to fish in these trout waters as long as you've got a current uh, active uh, inland fishing license see there you're educating us by the second including the host <laughs> here living in the past I, I i do need to say though it is great you don't have to go to uh, jesse brown's or the different stores that sell licenses uh the the big box stores you just go to ncwildlife.org, and there is a, a link page over so you can buy your license online. Uh, they'll mail you your more permanent license, but um, in the meantime, temporarily, they'll email you a license. So if you are checked by one of our wildlife officers uh, here in the state, you will have it in your favorite fly fishing vest to show them just so that everyone is legal. Jake Rash, it would be a crime if I didn't take uh, your abilities and your knowledge to talk a little bit of science here on the Carolina Outdoors because we've covered our regulations. You've told us that there's uh, all these streams that are on the trout page, ncwildlife.org trout. Um, You've told us, you know, hundreds of fish, these different places, um, how it's marked, our license. Talk to us about... um, I guess etiquette may be the word when we're talking about the different aquatic insects or in, invasive insects or or little creatures, amoebas, protozoas, whatever they are in seventh grade science class. 
that can potentially cause disease to these fish, and how do we prevent them as anglers uh, going from stream to stream to stream? And I know one of them is the importance of cleaning our equipment. Um, do you have any other insights so that we can make sure that the habitat that we are enjoying, we're not causing any damage by accident? Yeah, that's that's a that's a great point, and that's another another you know aspect that kind of goes into the to the planning and and everything that it that it means to to be an angler from the you know being prepared before you get to the water and of course the stewardship when you're when you're on the water um, around other anglers and and particularly North Carolina respecting private landowners and their property um just doing simple things like picking up trash not mm-hmm. blocking gates and whatever we can do to be to be the best anglers anglers and and stewards of the resource that we can and and then and beyond that is 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 to your point of making sure we're protecting those waters that we we love to love to stand in and and fish so much and and there's a lot of nasty things out there that are microscopic and small that that we might not see with a visible eye. So that's that's why it's important for us to do you know simple things like cleaning our gear, you know, not taking mud with us from mm-hmm. somewhere we fished, and let it dry if you can, and and inspecting it and make sure there's no organisms on it. And 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 one of the biggest things is. You know, not necessarily tied to our gear, but but making sure we're not moving fish around. And, and we we work with folks to help facilitate permits and making sure the right fish are going to the right places if somebody's interested. But doing doing those things of 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 being aware of cleaning our gear, draining water out of it, letting it dry, and not moving fish or animals or other things around can can really go a long way to help protect all these waters that we all care so much about. Well, kudos to your management and helping make uh, a continued success for where we live and where we like to fish. And it does, uh, through that, help more people get out there and enjoy uh, the resources that we have here. Jake Rash, it's always great to get you on the Carolina Outdoors. We look forward to continued uh, conversation. We need to get you on back on to talk about the Eastern Brook Trout uh, and all the work you're doing there, but we'll have to save that one for a later date. Oh, I would I would love to do it. You uh, just let me know, and uh, I can talk trout at any point. So, uh, <laughs> at a drop of a hat. <laughs> absolutely. You make it too easy, Jake. Thank you so much, and off he goes, and off I go, but don't worry. I'm going to come back on the other side, and this will continue. You're listening to the Carolina Outdoors.